to walk out our lives. May we be used in an incredible way to perpetuate that Gospel, that message. It's it's not a political agenda. It is an agenda that says, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that's our prayer today. So Father, we look to You and we thank You for the many blessings that we get to walk in and live in. Lord, we fully acknowledge that it's because of great men and women who have sacrificed their lives on the battlefield to fight for that freedom. Lord, we also realize that that our true freedom comes from You. And Lord, we are so thankful that You continue to work in our hearts and our lives in this country. Lord, we place it in Your hands. We continue to pray for our government. We continue to pray for our leaders. And we ask, Lord, that Your will would continue to be done. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Uh, today's message as we start and uh, dive into stories part two three summers ago we had a, a summer series entitled stories and here we are three years later and and uh, couldn't wait to just dive back into this topic and uh, understanding that there are some hidden figures in the Bible that many of us may not be aware of or gloss over or we look at quickly and and there's so many incredible lessons to be learned from each and every one of them and so I've titled this this series, this summer series, not just Stories 2, but also Hidden Figures. There are some hidden figures within the Word of God that we want to draw out and learn from and grow. I promise you, this summer, as we look at each and every one of them, there is an incredible truth. There is an incredible nugget. There is something of hope that will give us what we need to understand, learn, and grow in our relationship with the Lord. More Christians turn off, turn people off to Jesus than they even know. Let me say that again. More Christians turn people off to Jesus than they even are aware of, that they even know. Uh, People may look at you, they may look at me, they may look at us as followers of Christ and say, but you are no different than I am. They may say, I don't want to be anything like you. I don't want to be anything like them. They may hear you talk and say, they are so weird. I'm glad some of you can laugh at that. They are so weird. No thank you. I want you to know that today's message comes with a challenge. At the end of this message... I want to challenge you. I pray that this message challenges your walk, your relationship with the Lord, and and really in the power of your story to understand what the Lord is doing in your heart and in your life. We're going to talk today about the power of a story. Stories are a powerful tool for sharing our faith in Christ. It is said that stories captivate us with characters who seem to be much like us. Maybe there's plot lines that give us fresh eyes to see uh, life around us. Maybe visit vivid descriptions of or parts of the world that we've never visited. Stories. Maybe open probing questions that force us to declare what we really believe. 
believe. As children, stories captivated us. I'll never forget as a child, I, I, I was just reminiscing uh, with someone from Bloomington, uh, Illinois, and I spent my childhood summers in Bloomington, Illinois with my grandma and grandpa on the farm. And I'll never forget almost every night, every other night, if, if I could get my grandma to read the story to me every night, I would. Uh, my favorite story that my grandma read to me was, and you're going to laugh, Billy Goat's Gruff. I just remember her reading that to me over and over and over again and, and, and listening and, and experiencing that story. She couldn't read it enough. As children, stories captivate us. They captivate our hearts. They might cause us to dream a little bit. As adults, they still cause us to be moved many times with emotion. Maybe some empathy, uh, or even cause us to identify with someone else because they shared their story with us. When someone opens up and shares their story, it creates this vulnerable moment that causes us to identify with them. Over the course of the next few weeks, you're going to hear stories from the people who call Saginaw First Assembly their home. Some of them will be live. Some of them will be by video. Some of them, they'll tell their story and share that. And each week we're going to get a highlighted picture of hearing someone's story that will cause us to identify with them. It may spur us on. It may, ch- it may say, wow, if they walk through that, then I can get through what I'm walking through. Jesus was very well aware of the power of a story. He was very well aware of the power of a good story. As we can see, He used it often in what are called parables. As the greatest storyteller ever to walk planet earth, Jesus literally spun sagas about the most unique things that were happening from banquets to mustard seeds from trees that bore fruit to missing sheep and the lost coin there's story after story that he took and he spun and he told a story that riveted them caused them to question say what in the world is he talking about where is that what does that mean it caused people to be moved in an incredible way in this series hidden figures we're going to hear some stories that i believe will help us to examine our own hearts and our own lives. It's going to be a great summer, church. I am so excited about this summer series. And I I want to start this morning by talking about the power of a story. Because we need to understand the power that lies within the story that is being told. Together, we're going to unpack the power of a story and life-giving effect that it has on not only our life, but on others' lives as well. I want you to know, God is still using stories to change the world. Do you hear me? God is still using stories to change the world. He wants to use your story. He wants to use your story to change the lives of the people around you. He is still writing stories today. Your story is still in the process of being written. Everyone loves a good story. They captivate us. And here's something else we need to know about a story. Everyone has a story. 
I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, I invite you, take that bulletin, flip it over. I'm going to give you some things today to write down, to really grab a hold of and understand as we walk through the power of a story. The first thing we need to know is that everyone has a story. You may be sitting here saying, I, I don't know what I could share. How could I ever tell a story? I, I'm not a storyteller. I, I want you to know there's something powerful when we share our story of what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives in our lives with others. Sharing it empowers you and it empowers others. By sharing your story, it empowers you and it empowers others. John chapter 4 verse 25 through 42 tells an incredible story. We're not going to dive deep into the character uh, today, but this story is just a great place to start with what it means to tell a story. The power of a story and how it can affect other people's hearts and lives. We've talked about the woman at the well many times over the last uh, three, four years. She is. Uh, we've talked, we've learned so much from this incredible story. And today I just want to use it as we begin to take a glimpse at the power of our own story. Here it is. Uh, and I, it, it, you will not see this on the screen. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn. You can follow along. I'm going to read it for you. John chapter 4, verse 25 through 42. It says, in verse 25, The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. I know that Messiah is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. Now this is the very end of their conversation. He was at the well. He was thirsty. He asked a Samaritan woman, would you draw water for me? And she did, but she questioned Him. Aren't you a Jew? Why would you be talking to us? At the time, Jews and Samaritans, they had nothing to do with Jews, had nothing to do with Samaritans. And here Jesus is asking a Samaritan woman if she would draw water for Him. As she does this, and they have this incredible uh, conversation in a very quick manner, He says, the water that you will drink will cause you to be thirsty again. If you only knew who you were talking to, the water that I provide, he says, will be living water and those who drink from it will never thirst again. He began to share her story and the life that she had. As we continue here, just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, she went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He talked to her. He shared with her her past. He he told her of her past husbands. He said, in fact, the, the man that you're living with today, he's not even your husband. She's like, how do you know these things? How do you know these things about me? And here she does something powerful. She goes back to town and she begins to tell her story. She tells a story. They came out of the town in verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward Him. Meanwhile, His disciples urged Him, Rabbi, eat something. But He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then His disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought Him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of Him who sent Me and to finish His work. 
Don't you have a saying? It is still four months until harvest. I tell you, open up your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Verse 37, thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me, her testimony was this, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, I love this, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is the Savior of the world. What an incredible story of a woman who has an encounter with Jesus. If I think back, and I know you can as well, to some encounters that you've had with the Lord, some encounters that you've had with Him, have you forgotten about them? Have you pushed them off to the side? Do they need to be dusted off a little bit and revisited? Has it been a long time since you've had a life-giving encounter with Jesus? That you had a moment that He spoke to you? That He he did something incredible in your heart and in your life? This, This woman is there and Jesus begins to tell her all the things in her life and she runs into town and says, you've got to come. You've got to see. And, and you know, we've, we've used this term and this phrase often over the past few years, an incredible way to share and to witness is simply that, come and see. Come and see for yourself what the Lord is doing. Come and see and be immersed in the presence of the Lord. Just come and see what the Lord is doing. Eventually, they said, we not only now believe because of what you said, we believe because we've experienced it for ourselves. Come on, church, isn't it great when we experience the Lord in ourselves? We experience Him for ourselves. And... And we invite others to experience that same incredible thing that you and I sometimes by nature seem to hide. We, we tuck it away. We think it's just for us. That God did something for me and, and we tuck it away. We hide it. I want you to know that there is a power in the story that we share. What God has done in your heart, in your life, needs to be told. It, it needs to be declared. It needs to be shared with those around you. That we serve a God who is still alive. He's doing And I want to walk through this with you today. I pray that as we walk through these things, that maybe we'll get a firm grasp. You'll get a firm grasp of your own before and after story. There is something powerful, something unique about telling your own story. I want to take a moment to discuss in detail the power of communication, of sharing our own story. In John 4, 39, she said, He told me all that I ever did. He told me all that I ever did. How many of you would be honest in the room and say, that would scare me to death? 
Right? Oh Lord, let nobody tell me all that. You know, we, we, we understand that. There's grace for all that we ever did. Jesus did not condemn her. He used it to share life with her in an incredible, powerful way. He told me all that I did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah that we have been waiting for? He shared all that was her story. Her story was a moment where Jesus, she had an encounter with Him. He told her all that He was. And what was her first reaction? She wanted to go tell everybody, come and see. Come and see. He, he told me everything. This is incredible. And they did. This verse is found, as you know, right in the middle of this story of the woman at the well. And as she's wondering, I wonder what effect did the Samaritan woman's story have on all of the residents of that city? As she shared her own personal experience she had with Jesus, Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Many of you have probably heard it. Many of you have probably read it. He says, your personal testimony is more effective than a sermon. Let me say that again. Your personal testimony is more powerful than any sermon that could ever be preached because unbelievers see pastors as professional salesmen. Like somehow we're here peddling Jesus and we're a salesman to somehow understand. So in the world's view, they say that that a testimony, a story, is more powerful than someone who is a professional salesman. Your story has credibility because you are a satisfied customer. There is no better form. There is no better form of advertising than the word of mouth from a satisfied customer who says, I used that company. They were incredible. I recommend them to everyone. I go, that's awesome. I will, I want to know about them. I want to hear because I'm hearing not from the company. I'm hearing from a satisfied customer. I want you to know that you and I today, all of us, we're satisfied customers. How many of you are glad that you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior? You're glad of the things that he did in your heart and your life. We're all satisfied customers and he calls us to share our story with the world, with those around us. He says, Your testimony bypasses, listen to this, your testimony bypasses intellectual defenses. Many people who won't accept the authority of the Bible will listen to a humble, personal story. Your own first-hand account of how Jesus is at work in your life is a powerful thing. It's an incredible thing of how He changes your heart, how He moves in your life. Are you prepared? Are you ready and willing to share your testimony with those who are around you? I want you to listen very closely as one of our own comes uh, to this platform, as Sandy Garcia comes to share with us 
her personal story of what the Lord did in her life these past few weeks in Puerto Rico. And while she comes, I want to invite every single person who went on that incredible trip to Puerto Rico to stand all across this sanctuary. If you are here at church, would you give them a big welcome home? We are so excited for what the Lord has done. Come on, let them hear it. What a great job. It's incredible. These who are standing did an incredible work this past week. You're going to hear a little bit about it today. You'll hear more over the weeks to come. Uh, remember that prayer we prayed, Lord, stretch me? Some of you are going to get to be stretched as you share. Oh, they're like, dear Lord, Jesus, help me. God is good. His story deserves to be told. And today I would love for you to give your attention to Sandy as she just shares a few moments of what the Lord did in her life there in Puerto Rico, not Peru. So good morning. It's really scary to be up here. (laughs) um, Definitely not my comfort zone, but the story behind that that Pastor Kurt just alluded to is... um, at the beginning of our time down there, he gave us this devotional challenge to pray that God would stretch me, search me, break me, use me, or excuse me, lead me and use me. And I think it was a trap. <laughs> because God just jumped right on that and immediately started stretching, not just me, but I saw so many people on that trip just stretched out of their, their comfort zones and things. Um, so I'm definitely not a public speaker, so I probably will read a lot of this. Um, but it was a, such a powerful experience that I really think it should be shared. I was blessed to go on this trip with two of my, my both of my children, Noah and Macy. Um, and leading up to that, I felt some pressure from God that that was the trip that we needed to be on. Um, but leading up to that and throughout the trip, I just really struggled with understanding what that exact um, purpose was. And uh, so... Pastor Kurt had asked if I would just share a little bit about the impact of that trip, and there were so many ways that I think we were all impacted um, that I'm just going to touch on two different angles, and the first is that my tank was filled. Um, when deciding to go on a mission, typically it's because we're stepping out in obedience to go and serve others, um, to sacrifice our time, and in this case, our bodies, um, to to just to, to stretch and... Um, to help others and share the love of Jesus. But what I found, though, is that we were blessed far more than those we served. At least I was. It's difficult to explain other than that our spiritual tanks um, were filled as we watched God's power change um, lives in ways that we couldn't even imagine. We just we just loved on the people of Puerto Rico, those that, that, that had been forgotten um, in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. Um, Many of those people just had this look of hopelessness on their faces. We started our days. Each day we worked in a different location. But as that day went on, you started to see smiles, and you started to see a glimmer of hope. Um, and I know we may not see, like, the, that full um, uh, blessing that's going to be poured out on those people, but um, that just filled my tank. And so that was one part of it. But... Um, the second, and for me, the most powerful impact was discovering the real reason that God had led me to go on this particular trip. So leading up to the trip and throughout that trip, I still felt that I didn't really understand what God was looking for from me. 
Um, and it wasn't until our last morning in Puerto Rico that I finally understood that. So on our last morning, we met as a team um, for our usual morning devotion time. Usually we would start with prayer and a brief devotion, and then we would just break out individually to, to just go find a quiet place and to, to seek God in, in solitude. Um, but that day, we stayed together, and Pastor John and Pastor Kurt asked that everyone on the team would briefly share how God had impacted us and how we would use it as we returned back home. Um, so I brief panic, knowing that I still didn't have that answer. Um, I tried to seek it all week. Um, so as people began to share around our circle, I kind of just shrunk back and just hoped that my name wasn't coming up anytime soon because I still was looking for that. Um, so people began to share. And as they shared, all of a sudden God just revealed that his purpose for me to go on that trip was for this, was for the church. Not for the church, but me as my part within the church. Um, God knew exactly what I needed. It was to experience the commune of our team, to make deep connections with my church family. And it, that was just a multi-generational team of people from our church. So the blessing of living and working together for that week and a half with um, a team of women and men, young and old, was exactly what I had needed. It was what my kids had needed. We needed to be in that group. The bonds that were forged during that time are going to change my life and I believe even impact this church. When you experience what we did together, the relationships go to a whole new level of depth. So, and I'm sure this is maybe the story for many of you out here, but I've been a part of Saginaw First for over two years and I've loved my time here. But I truly didn't have those connections that God knows his people and his church need. So, I suspect that there were others on the trip that may have also needed those connections. We are a church of history, but one with many new faces. So I've always loved Jesus, but I often attempt to go it alone. And so it was so good to be with these generational men and women of God. I learned so much, and there's so much more to learn. It was amazing to receive the outpouring of love, wisdom, and example displayed by our team. I watched the older generations um, just pour into the younger and I watched the younger rejuvenate the older. And I'm not going to say where I fall into that spectrum. But <laughs> There were many um, unofficial adoptions for grandparents, parents, and children that took place over that trip. <laughs> I'm just looking out at all these smiling faces, and there's just some bonds that just weren't there before that are now just solid. Um, and so... I'm a strong believer of the old wisdom that it takes a village to raise a child. And I was blessed to see that play out for my kids on this trip. So examples of living a life zealously for God, examples of a terrific work ethic, and examples of how each piece of our team fit an exact role designed by God grew me, and I believe it grew many others on this team. So seeds that have been planted over the years in my children, um, it was just so overwhelming to watch those seeds begin to split open and my kids just begin to blossom in ways that fill my heart. And they both have their own stories to tell, so I'm not going to tell their stories, um, but the impact on their lives. And But to be able to see some of that begin to take shape definitely has filled my heart to overflowing. And I know my days here at Saginaw First are just going to be different, so much different. So I thought I was stepping out to help others by going on that trip, but truly it was I I needed the help. So God knew that, knew what I needed, and he had to take me all the way to Puerto Rico for me to find that. So I love my new church family, and I'm really excited to see what that um, has ahead for us.
Come on, give it up for Sandy. What a great job. What an incredible... Um, just sometimes the Lord takes you places that you think you're going to serve them. And when you serve what the Lord speaks to our hearts and in our lives, and then we come back and we share that story. I want to share with you um, from 1 Peter 3, 15. Um, as we catapult off of that, the Lord wants to use each and every one of us and our stories. And, and He tells us if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. A gentle and respectful way. There is something powerful about uh, when we tell our story. Uh, maybe you have someone in your life, uh, an acquaintance, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, that you're fostering a relationship. Maybe you started to ask the questions or they've started to ask you questions. And sometimes we'd say, well, I'm afraid someone will ask me a question because I don't know all the answers. I want you to know that you don't have to freeze up. You don't have to have all the answers. You can understand that what, what God has done in your heart and your life is an incredible story and a picture that needs to be told to the people around you. And, and today, just as Sandy stood up here and she shared with you something that just happened for her and her family. I ask you, what has just happened in your life? What what are some of the things that have just taken place in your heart and in your life? Here's here's what I think sometimes happen. Uh, good. How many of you have ever heard someone tell a story and a good story go bad? And it went like, dude, where are you going with this? What are you saying? I don't understand a word you're talking. Okay. Good stories gone bad. Right now, for just the next two minutes, I want to give you very practical helps on helping your story not go poorly, not go bad, but go very, very well. Here's the first thing. Three things. Write them down. Good stories gone bad. We want to avoid that at all costs. The first thing you need to know when sharing your story is we shouldn't share weird God stories. How many of you ever heard someone tell you a weird God story? You're afraid to raise your hand. What in the world am I talking? What are you talking about? A, a weird God story. I, I read a story of a, a man who was at the airport and he was talking to a gentleman who was just itching to share Jesus with him. He didn't know him from Adam, had never met him. And he's there and he started off the story. You wouldn't believe what happened to me. God woke me up last night at 2.22 in the morning. Actually, a few nights ago. And then the next night, God woke me up at 3.33. And then the next night, and the man said, let me guess, 4.44? How'd you know? In that moment, in that moment, him trying to share something that God had done in his life, two things. If I don't know you, I have no context of what you're talking about. Now let me tell you, if Mark Redburn came to me and said, God's been waking me up the last few nights and he's been speaking to me, I would say, what is he telling you? I want to hear. I want to know. But if I don't know him, I'm saying, 
dude, you probably had some bad pizza last night. Maybe you're just getting old and you just got to pee a lot now in the middle of the night. I don't... Am I right? Come on, let's just be real. There's context. Why do we feel like we need to share some weird, crazy stories? People are looking at us like, you're, you're insane, you're crazy. The second thing that we need to know when we share our story with others is, is, is never be a good story is not long-winded. It is not coherent. It doesn't have a dozen plot lines, 16 main characters. Hey, you know, we, we have no idea where we even started. We're halfway through. We're cruising through this thing. I've asked uh, several people through the years to tell me their story. I, I ask it often. If if I haven't asked you yet, you, you'll probably have a moment where I'll say, tell me your story. Tell me how you came to know the Lord. What brought you to Saginaw First Assembly? I want to hear the story. And, and I've heard all kinds of, of things and, and you kind of understand that when we share a story, it's really good to be concise, to be clear. I, I, I understand um, that, that we need to keep, when, when you're sharing your life story, your personal story, let me share with you what the woman at the well said. He told me everything he knew about me. That was her story. Come. I just met a man. He told me everything about me. Come, you need to hear them. How many of you know that's a pretty short story? And that's all the people needed to know. They didn't need to know that they woke them up at 2.22 in the morning. They didn't need to know all of those details. The other thing I just want to add is when you share your story of what God has done in your life, be truthful, don't embellish. How many of you know people know when we're telling the truth? Tell the truth. Don't embellish. Number three, third thing, is when you're sharing your story with others, we should steer clear of using, and this is a very unique word, religionese. Religionese is a words, are words like salvation, born again, lifelong churchgoers. We understand those words. We know what they mean. But an unbeliever looks at those words and they think, man, I, I need a secret Dakota ring to be a part of that club. I have no idea what, what they're talking about. What does that mean? How might an unchurched or an unbelieving person become confused if we ask them this question, Are you lost? And do you want to be saved? What might their response be to us? Saved from what? Of course I'm not lost. I have an iPhone. I don't, they, they have no idea what we're talking about, what we're trying to do. And so many times we talk in code and, and we talk and, and, and really we need to understand that there is a world out there that just needs to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. It doesn't take a lot. It just says, you know what? Before I knew Christ, before I knew Him, this was my life. And all I know is since I've known Jesus Christ, this is what's happened in my life. It's incredible. You should come and see what He's doing in 30 seconds, you can transform somebody's life by doing what the woman at the well did. Come and see this man. He spoke into my life. He'll speak into yours. Come and see. Check this out. It's the before and after pattern. Jesus said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is anybody in this place glad that some old things have passed away? And all things have become new. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to experience that. There's a huge contrast made between life before Christ and since we have come to know Christ in incredible ways 
of what God is doing. Consider the blind man in John chapter 9, whom Jesus healed by the pool by anointing his eyes with mud. When the Pharisees inquired about the healing, he replied, listen to his reply, one thing I know, that once I was blind, but now I see. What a story. What a powerful, powerful story. Let me share with you my story. Before I knew Christ, I was a rebel, a reprobate. I did my own thing. I went my own way. I wouldn't listen to others. I took things that weren't mine. I stole. I treated others poorly. And I had a sense of entitlement that set me on a course for destruction. My parents did not know what to do with me. Then finally, at the age of six, I realized that I couldn't live this way any longer. (laughs) That I needed a Savior from myself and from my sins. And I have been blessed by the grace of, in his, of His life in me ever since. That's my story. Hallelujah. We all have a story. We all need a Savior. They say that we should be able to communicate to someone what Christ has done in our life in 100 words or less. I want to give a challenge to this congregation. I want this to be a summer of stories. God, open up now on the Puerto Rico missions trip. We learned something, that when you pray something, God answers it. It's very dangerous to pray certain prayers. When we pray, God, use me, guess what? He will use you. I want to throw out a challenge to this body. God, use us to share our story. Lord, help me to be prepared to tell someone this week what you are doing and what you have done in my life. I shared with you, everyone has a story. Sharing it empowers you and it empowers others. I want you to know that I believe in you. I believe that God has a plan for you and and He wants to use your incredible story in a powerful way. One great way to begin telling your story is is to begin to write it down, to to craft it, to understand that it takes some effort to be prepared, to understand what God wants to do in and through you. So I want to throw out a very quick challenge to each and every one of you. I know this is very unorthodox. I've, I, I want to invite you to uh, share, to not share, excuse me, to write your story. I invite you this week during one of your devotional times to be able to write and say, God, help me to write my story. It should be take about 30 to 45 seconds to say. It should be a 100 words or less to be able to tell someone what God has done in your life. Now that we've kind of gained some just very basic concepts of the value of a story and how to share our personal before and after story, between now and next week, I would love for you to write it out and begin to prepare it. Are you willing to accept the challenge and maybe even attempt this? Maybe step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Say, God, stretch me. Use me. Your simple, straightforward, before and after explanation of Christ's work in your life can have a profound impact in both your life and someone else's. Hear me. It will do something for you. It will empower you. It will do something powerful in your life just to be able to have that story 
It is worth working on. It is worth getting right. It is worth falling on your knees every day and saying, God, put someone across my path. Send someone across my path that I can just bring the light of hope, that I can share quickly the the incredible things that You're doing in my life. I promise you this. You will absolutely be amazed at the power of your story once you have been diligent to shape it, hone it, write it down, and be prepared to share it. I'm going to ask if Pastor John would please come and just begin to play softly. I want to end today with this challenge. Today's challenge, our takeaway, is Lord, help me to be able to share my story with someone else. Right now, with every, every head up and every eye open, how's that? <laughs> every head up and every eye open, here we are. We're standing here together, a family, the body of Christ. If you find yourself struggling to tell your own before and after story, because maybe you can't observe much of a difference between the you before and the you after, then maybe something is wrong. Either you've refused to go deeper and grow in your walk and your relationship with the Lord, or maybe you're still a, an infant, a, what they call maybe a, a babe in Christ, or perhaps you've professed Jesus and you've just been going through the motion. You haven't truly yielded your heart to Him. Romans 10.10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's something powerful when we speak the words. There's something powerful when we profess our faith, when we profess what the Lord is doing in our lives with those around us. There is something, something powerful. And I want to invite you to go with this body on an incredible journey through this summer. And the first step is to write our story. The first step is to get it and to understand it. Throughout this summer, we're going to hear other stories. We're going to see some other stories. We're going to see some hidden figures in the Bible and how their story impact our lives today. It's going to be an incredible journey. I invite you to begin an incredible journey with the Lord as we look at the hidden figures of the Bible. And maybe your story begins today by saying, you know what? Today, I want my story to begin. Today, I place my heart and my hope in Jesus Christ alone. If you find yourself uncertain of whether or not you truly know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I wish to invite you in this moment to confess your faith in Him today. If you have, if you know Him, if you do, if you live for Him, then I believe it is time to tell the story. How many of you have a story to tell? How many of you are excited that God has delivered you, set you free, done something amazing in your life? If that's you, come on, lift your hands all across this room today. With one heart, we are going to cry out to Him. If you do not know Jesus or you are far away from Him, I invite you to join in this prayer. God wants to touch you. He wants to use you. He wants to, he wants to impact your life in an incredible way. Telling the story does two things. It empowers us and it empowers others. And if you're in this room today and you need to be empowered, the greatest thing you could do is yield your life 
to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that today, church? See, that's religionese. We can do that in church. That's religionese. Amen. Hallelujah. Yay. People don't understand what those words are. I invite you to be real about what God has done in your life. To be real with your family and friends. Some of you are walking through some very difficult things today. Our God is here. I invite you one more time as we close this service in prayer. Would you just stand to your feet? And would you just lift your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? We're going to make this whole room an altar today. And we're going to ask God to use our story. I see some of you excited. I I see passion in your hearts. I, I understand what the Lord has done. Some of you may be sitting here going, I don't know that I could ever do that. I want you to know that God wants to use you mightily. He wants to impact, not not just for you to bless someone else, but He's got great things in store for you. He's got great things in store for you. Today is just the kickoff. It's like I said at the beginning. It's literally putting the footing in the ground for God to build all summer long in our hearts and our lives. Lord, here we are. We stand with our hands to you. God, I pray that in this moment, Lord, that you would help us even in this challenge, Lord, to understand who we are, what you've done in our lives. God, as we begin to write this story this week, God, I pray, Lord, for every heart and every life, God, I pray that this would be the the moment, a catapulting moment to take us, God, further in our walk and our relationship with you. God, I pray, even as Sandy She went to serve, but she was blessed. God, I pray even as we write out these stories, Lord, and we mean it to bless others, but God, by doing it somehow, you take us deeper. You show us your love and your grace. God, I pray that every single person in this room would experience your love and your grace afresh and anew. For those who are following you, for those who might find themselves far away from you, in this moment, Lord, we declare that you... You are our God, and we need you in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Let's just clap. Come on. Let's just thank the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Lord, they are true. They are rich. They are awesome. I pray that you enjoy this afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your fourth uh, weekend. Be blessed. Can't wait to see you next Sunday. God bless you. Have a great day.